on, guys. Today, we have my co-host, Justin, joining me. Hey, guys. Justin Thin here from SpartanMag.com, and today we're also joined by fellow SpartanMag insider, Corey Robinson. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. I'll start it off, Corey. So, obviously, big news on the way, hopefully, with Gino Vandemark and Audric Estime. Um, I know you've been saying Michigan State for a while, and they look to be in a good position. Um, where do you think... I guess the staff kind of won them over. I know it's not over, but looks to be in that direction. Um, I th- think uh, once they turned it into a a group effort with uh, Chris Kapilovich and uh, William Piegler, the offensive line and running backs coach, they kind of helped each other out with the other guy a lot and uh, along with their assistants. And then just the fact that they, uh, they're giving them a chance at a winning Thing. Not to say anything mean about uh, Rutgers, but <laughs> they don't win very much. So, <laughs> yeah, I just I was kind of amazed that um, they weren't considering any of the other schools because I, you know, I saw some of their offers and they had a lot better offers than Rutgers. Yeah, the, the yeah, big yeah. them with Augie Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the running backs coach at Rutgers, and he was their head coach at their high school, which was a powerhouse in New Jersey. Uh, so that yeah. made them a, a huge factor for them and kind of uh, like going into it before Mel Tucker and them arrived at Michigan State, it probably was a pretty much forget it's as a given thing that they were going to go to Rutgers with him. But uh, once Mel Tucker and the guys came to Michigan State, they kind of just kept chopping away at it and eventually showed them that they could offer them something maybe better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of those um, future casts and the predictions, if you if you notice, that's from before um, Tucker and the guys really started going after them. So it was just based on like Corey was saying with those coaches, with the Augie Hoffman um, being hired by Rutgers. That whole concept, I guess, is what drove all those premature predictions for Rutgers. So that's kind of why everybody was seeing 100% Rutgers this whole time. Even though they weren't leaning towards Rutgers necessarily, that's just what the perception was, just because everyone jumped to that conclusion based on the coaching hire. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Justin. I'm, I have not, nothing to say there. Um, I was just going to point out, I guess, the, the efforts that Ke- Kevin Wigginton, the New Jersey um, prospect, is uh, putting in with recruiting those two guys and just guys overall. And I know, um, I know Corey was saying that Kevin's supposed to visit, visit with those guys. So that I think we need to highlight just the work that Kevin Wigginton's been doing with that over there. And then um, with uh, Makai Baynor, who's another Bayor, another linebacker that we're looking at over there in New Jersey. Um, I know Kevin occasionally talks to him too. So it's looking like New Jersey is becoming a kind of a priority for the staff here in the coming this cycle and in the coming years after that as well. So, Corey, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how, how we're finally prioritizing New Jersey a little more? Yeah, definitely. So I'll start off with the Kevin Wigginton part also, like that guy. Like he recruits everybody. He's always looking and asking, hey, who do I need to talk to and all of this and to help out. Uh, so he's he definitely gets a huge uh, assist with the coaches with Gino and Audric and then Mackay, who uh, I'd posted on the message board a few minutes ago. It sounds like he's pretty close to being locked in on this weekend for a visit as well with all of those guys. Uh, but he's definitely going to visit Michigan State. 
in the same way that these guys are just the best way you can do it. And then, but he wants to see Ole Miss and Kentucky also before making this decision, just to be sure. But I feel like Michigan State's uh, in a good spot with him right now. And then as far as New Jersey recruiting goes, uh, with the old staff, I think that always drove me nuts personally because kids from New Jersey are so willing to leave the area in the state and the old staff never really prioritized it. Uh, now you're seeing Tucker and them coming in. They don't have a coach that necessarily would that New Jersey connection, but just by going there and recruiting the kids hard, you're already seeing uh, that payoff for them. Yeah, and I know like we were talking about it um, last week once all the estimated and Vandermark smoke kind of started uh, flaring up that if you look at geographically the whole East Coast, there aren't really that many signature programs up there other than maybe Penn State. So whichever guys Penn State doesn't go after hard up there in the New Jersey area, that leaves basically the Southern schools and the Midwest schools to come in and post the rest of the remaining ones. So it would have made a lot of logical sense for the previous staff to have, I guess, identified that gap where they can kind of squeeze in and start getting these players. And I think if you look at um, back when Michigan first hired Chris Bartridge and they got Rashawn Gary and, and a couple of those guys from New Jersey back there from Paramus and, and around the area, they kind of identified that for a little bit there. And I think if this staff realizes that, hey, we can pretty much get a stronghold here in the East Coast because pretty much the only competition is Penn State and then maybe West Virginia, Virginia Tech encroaching, encroaching up a little bit from the coast, that's a wide open area for anyone to pretty much get a stronghold in. So. Yeah, basically, it's very good to see that the staff is expanding the recruiting map eastward since there's not really a lot of signature programs up there to begin with. Yeah, and just to add on to both of what they said, I actually talked to Michael Geiber, I think is his name, you guys said, the three-star linebacker. And he, like Corey mentioned, he's very excited about Michigan State. He told me he wants to visit. I don't think they're going to be able to, but if, if they can visit in September, he told me he's looking forward to do that. Um, all right, so obviously the next one I want to talk about is in a lot of guys today, we have my co-host Justin joining me. Hey guys, Justin Thin here from SpartanMag.com, and today we're also joined by fellow SpartanMag insider Corey Robinson. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. I'll start it off, Corey. So obviously big news on the way, hopefully, with Gino Vandemark and Audric Estime. Um, I know you've been saying Michigan State for a while, and they look to be in a good position. Um, where do you think, I guess, the staff kind of won them over? I know it's not over, but looks to be in that direction. Um, I th- think uh, once they turned it into a, a group effort with uh, Chris Kapilovich and uh, William Piegler, the offensive line and running backs coach, they kind of helped each other out with the other guy a lot and uh, along with their assistants. And then just the fact that they, uh, uh, they're they giving them a chance at a winning thing, not to say anything mean about uh, Rutgers, but <laughs> they don't win very much. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I was kind of amazed that um, they weren't considering any of the other schools because I, you know, I saw some of their offers and they had a lot better offers than Rutgers. Yeah, the, the yeah, big yeah. them with Augie Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the running backs coach at Rutgers, and he was their head coach at their high school, which was a powerhouse in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah. made them a, a huge factor for them. And kind of uh, like going into it before 
Mel Tucker and them arrived at Michigan State, it probably was a pretty much forget it's as a given thing that they were going to go to Rutgers with him. But uh, once Mel Tucker and the guys came to Michigan State, they kind of just kept chopping away at it and eventually showed them that they could offer them something maybe better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of those um, future casts and the predictions, if you if you notice, that's from before um, Tucker and the guys really started going after them. So it was just based on like Corey was saying with those coaches with the Augie Hoffman um, being hired by Rutgers. That whole concept, I guess, is what drove all those premature predictions for Rutgers. So that's kind of why everybody was seeing 100% Rutgers this whole time. Even though they weren't leaning towards Rutgers necessarily, that's just what the perception was, just because everyone jumped to that conclusion based on the coaching hire. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Justin. I'm, I have not, nothing to say there. Um, I just, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just was surprised they were considering great sympathy in the business. Uh, you got anything to ask him, Justin? Um, I was just going to point out, I guess, the the efforts that Ke- Kevin Wigginton, the New Jersey um, prospect, is uh, putting in with recruiting those two guys and just guys overall. And I know um, I know Corey was saying that Kevin's supposed to visit visit with those guys. So that I think we need to highlight just the work that Kevin Wigginton's been doing with that over there. And then um, with uh, – Makai Baynor, who's another Bayor, another linebacker that we're looking at over there in New Jersey. Um, I know Kevin occasionally talks to him too. So it's looking like New Jersey is becoming a kind of a priority for the staff here in the coming this cycle and in the coming years after that as well. So Corey, do you want to talk a little bit about that and how how we're finally prioritizing New Jersey a little more? Yeah, definitely. So I'll start off with the Kevin Wigginton part also, like that guy, like he recruits everybody. He's always looking and asking, hey, who do I need to talk to and all of this and to help out. Uh, so he's he definitely gets a huge uh, assist with the coaches, with Gino and Audric and then Mackay, who uh, I posted on the message board a few minutes ago. It sounds like he's pretty close to being locked in on this weekend for a visit as well with all of those guys. Uh, but he's definitely going to visit Michigan State in the same way that these guys are just the best way you can do it. And then, but he wants to see Ole Miss and Kentucky also before making this decision just to be sure. But I feel like Michigan state's uh, in a good spot with him right now. And then as far as New Jersey recruiting goes uh, with the old staff, I think that always drove me nuts personally because kids from New Jersey are so willing to leave the area in the state and the old staff never really, prioritized it uh now you're seeing tucker and them coming in they don't have a coach that necessarily with that new jersey connection but just by going there and recruiting the kids hard you're already seeing uh that payoff for them yeah and i know like we were talking about it um last week once all the estimated vandemark smoke kind of started uh flaring up that if you look at geographically the whole east coast there aren't really that many signature programs up there other than maybe Penn State. So whichever guys Penn State doesn't go after hard up there in the New Jersey area, that leaves basically the Southern schools and the Midwest schools to come in and post the rest of the remaining ones. So it would have made a lot of logical sense for the previous staff to have, I guess, identified that gap where they can kind of squeeze in and start getting these players. 
I think if you look at um, back when Michigan first hired Chris Bartridge and they got Rashawn Gary and, and a couple of those guys from New Jersey back there from Paramus and, and around the area, they kind of identified that for a little bit there. And I think if this staff realizes that, hey, we can pretty much get a stronghold here in the East Coast because pretty much the only competition is Penn State and then maybe West Virginia, Virginia Tech encroaching, encroaching up a little bit from the coast, that's a wide open area for anyone to pretty much get a stronghold in. So. Yeah, basically, it's very good to see that the staff is expanding the recruiting map eastward since there's not really a lot of signature programs up there to begin with. Yeah, and just to add on to both of what they said, I actually talked to Michael Geiber, I think is his name, you guys said, the three-star linebacker. And he, like Corey mentioned, he's very excited about Michigan State. He told me he wants to visit. I don't think they're going to be able to, but if, if they can visit in September, he told me he's looking forward to do that. Um, all right, so obviously the next one I want to talk about is in a lot of visiting schools, like recruits. When do you think the timetable for that's going to be decided? Um, do you think they're going to be able to visit in the near future? And I was to counter that, do you think the football season getting canceled has a big impact on the recruiting visits being able to happen this fall? Uh, yeah, as far as uh, when they would happen, I mean, if they have to make a decision – I'd guess in the next couple of weeks because it's through August 31st with no visits right as it stands now. Um, honestly, I, I don't know what they'll do. I, I personally don't think they will allow visits in September and that's probably what they will go through is they'll probably say no visits through September 31st. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, but my personal feelings, I think the NCAA at some point has to, allow these kids to officially visit uh, just so they can see stuff. You know, there's got to be some way to make it happen safely with masks and all that because kids are already going to take these visits on campuses anyways, Mm -hmm. whether it's sanctioned with safety protocols or not. So um, I guess it's a lot of real uncertainty as far as when it will happen. But I think there's got to be something where maybe there's no unofficial visits this cycle. But at some point, you got to find a way to make official visits work. Yeah, now I know there's a, a tweet going around a few days ago where somebody was talking about kind of what you just said there with no unofficial visits. So that would kind of like put a cap on how many guys are visiting how many places since obviously everyone's only allowed five officials. So having something like that where you only make it where official visits are allowed and where maybe you tell a school, hey, you can only have three or maybe five guys do an official visit every weekend. That would kind of control a little bit of like the crowd that's going from campus to campus here would like to visit and still let some kids visit their absolute top targets. I think that might be a good way to do it. Um, I don't know, Corey, if you have any other kind of ideas like that, but I feel like that's something that's feasible and something that they could look into here in the next few months. Yeah, I, I definitely agree where at some point, whether it's September, October, November, sometime before signing day, I feel like you, you got to allow them, you know, say, all right, let's cap the numbers there. If you say you have five kids uh, and you put them in one pod and then you have another pod that goes with another set of coaches so they don't necessarily have to be together. They can kind of be with their recruiting coaches. So, you know, they don't necessarily all have to get together. But I, I think doing it with with rules is a better idea. Just like uh, I think if they canceled the season, I think you still need to 
allow the coaches to have practices with the co- with the players because these kids are going to train regardless. So you should do it with the safest way possible, which is with uh, safety guidelines enforced. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I was going to add to that is the only thing that would suck with the official visits. I mean, it would suck, but a lot of the in-state kids probably wouldn't use their official visits on Michigan State, which would kind of hurt us in a way, I feel like, or not really. For me, I think if Michigan State was a top school for them and that's the only way you're going to be able to visit, then they would do it just to be able to get around the coaches. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, do you have anything to add, yeah. Justin? Or what? Um, not really on this uh, aspect. I, I do think, uh, like Corey just said, that's not going to stop them if the, if the official visits the only way. They're, they're not going to force themselves to go visit their sixth most favorite school uh, just because it's out of state so they can make more use of the visit or anything like that. Um, but I guess transitioning a little bit out of recruiting, just I know, Corey, one of the things you noticed are some of the people, um, at least like measurables-wise or like the fitness that they're in, um, standing out in the first couple of days here of camp. And I know you said um, Spencer Brown was one of them. Um, I think Kyle King. Um, there's, I think there were a few more. Do you want to just reference those real quick and like what you're impressed with so far and the early impressions of camp? Yeah, so uh, what I've gotten so far is through the pitchers, which the staff seems to put a lot more pictures up than the old staff, which is nice for us as media and for the fans because uh, you can actually get some eyeballs on it, especially when we're through this drought of no sports. Um, some of the guys that I've seen pictures of that you're like, that you're really noticing some gains or where they trimmed down some baby fat or whatever was uh, Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle, redshirt freshman out of Wald Lake uh, Western. Um, so he's one that now when you saw that where he lost some of that bad weight and he's always been a big dude, you're like that intrigues you what can happen now, especially with Jordan Reed uh, leaving uh, mm-hmm. or taking the year off. Uh Michael Fletcher, the redshirt defensive end out of Flint. Uh, he's another guy where, like, physically you see him and you always knew that there's a real good shot that he was going to be a, a specimen. And now you look at him as a redshirt freshman and he's already there. Uh, Kyle King, defensive end, uh, he came in early for Michigan State as an early enrollee. He lost the spring practice, obviously, but he had winter conditioning and been around the coaches. So he's a guy that. Uh, from, uh, I'll probably say his school wrong, uh, New Palestine, I believe, is where he was from, coming off, trying to go back to 2020. Uh, he broke a lot of the weightlifting records and mm-hmm. for them at their program, and he's a kid that, once he got here, he's kept that same work ethic, kind of like a Kenny Willekes, where they're just absolute animals in the gym and everything. Uh, so he looks good, and even... Uh, the kicker, Evan uh, Morris from Ovid Elsie, uh, he, he's probably – he's my pick to do handle kickoffs this year. And, I mean, he's like 6'5 and 230, solid muscle already. Like So, seeing him, that was like – he already had a huge leg. And now you see how much better shape he's in. And then it'll be really interesting to see. We'll finally have a guy that's going to put the ball through the back of the end zone. Yeah. And then – uh, since you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but but with guys like Jordan Reed opting out and guys like uh, Jacob Panachuk opting out, these guys that are emerging right behind them, like King, like Fletcher, um, these guys um, are going to finally get a, a like a, 
they were probably going to get a chance anyway at reps. Like Mel said, it was going to be clean slate, but they're probably going to get much more of a snap load now that these positions are opening up. So that's, if the season does happen, that's kind of a positive since we're not expected to make much noise anyway, but now you have these young guys, like the ones you just talked about that are going to have a chance to go ahead and maybe show what they can do a little earlier and uh, a little more often on the field than they otherwise probably would have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then a couple other guys, uh, I haven't saw a whole lot of pictures of them yet, but just knowing the type of frames they had that I'm interested to see is uh, a few linebackers, Chase Klein, uh, Jess Lord, Botang, and then uh, there's another one that now he's uh, Luke Fulton. Like those guys uh, have always been guys that I thought had good physical uh, builds where once they add that college weight room stuff, I imagine they're going to become some beasts on the field. And to add on to that, um, you mentioned a lot of players. What position group do you think is the most slept on that you think, if the season is played, can surprise a lot of people? Um, I I, I think the the junkies probably know that the wide receiver group is going to be really good this year, but maybe some of the casual fans don't realize just how good uh, Jaden Reed is going to be. Trey Mosley, he was the best receiver their last three games of the season. He's going to take a step. Uh, Jalen Naylor, when he's healthy, the team's different. Uh, Trayvon Morgan, I mean, that guy is just a machine. I mean, he's 6'5", 6'6", uh, very solid, built, long arms. Uh, and then you had the 2020 class. They actually brought in a group of talented freshmen uh, at the wide receiver position, Ricky White, uh, Terry Lockett, Montori Foster, who I think he, he's really raw, but that kid's a freak athlete with good size. And then uh, Ian Stewart, another big bodied athlete. So I think that's one spot where maybe some of the casual fans don't understand. And then on the defensive side, I think defensive tackle is probably better than people realize, even though you lost two guys to the NFL and Mike Panashuk and Raekwon Williams. You return uh, Naquan Jones, who is poised to have a big year. Um, what's the one kid? Uh, the friend, he's a sophomore this year. He's got the twin brother, Jacob Slade. Uh, he did really well last year in his limited reps being kind of the fourth guy in the rotation. And then I think uh, behind them you have uh, uh, Sean Mallory and uh, yeah. the kid from Belleville. I think those two have a shot mm-hmm. to do some really big things. And before you respond to that, Justin, I wanted for the receivers real quick, I'm curious to know who do you think who, – who who's your three wide receivers to start besides Jalen Jaden Reed? Who would your other two be? Um, I, I think it'll be Trey Mosley and Jalen Naylor, but I think Trayvon Morgan is a kid that there's just not very many Trayvon Morgans walking around college campuses. I think he's a guy that once he uh, learns how to do it at a high college level, and Courtney Hawkins is going to make that happen because he's a, a total worker type of guy. Once that clicks for him and he gets it, like he, he's just a different – different body type where you can't shut him down with a 5'10", 5'11", 6' even corner because he's just so long and strong. Yeah, even even if he doesn't um, start um, in most formations, I think you can see him 
Um, every time the team gets to the red zone, possibly throw him in there. Um, maybe take out someone like Trey Mosley or, or Jalen Ayler and just go ahead and throw some jump balls to him. I think we'll definitely see him a little bit this year, regardless of if he does refine his footwork and what, whatnot. Um, but yeah, speaking definitely. on the yeah, speaking on the wide receiver group, uh, like you were saying about how deep they are, I think that's part of the reason why most of the people that know the roster composition were not really worried about um, Andrell Anthony going to Michigan. Exactly. I, yeah, I know just the, um, I guess how it looks was not really that ideal. But even if you break that down, if you've already spent 17 years living in East Lansing and your dad is a fan of a school that is not in East Lansing, there's a pretty logical, um, I guess, conclusion there to assume that he shouldn't be going to Michigan State anyway. And so if you take that into consideration with our wide receiver depth, I don't think that loss was that um, bad looking. And it also was not that like hurtful to our actual roster composition. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk, speak on that, Corey, a little bit? And I guess also what, what the plan is uh, with wide receiver moving forward, even though I kind of believe we might not even need to fill that spot, but I'll let you go ahead and talk about that. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think if you remove uh, the back days for East out of the equation, then nobody's probably freaking out about it. Uh, Andrew's a very good player, but wide receiver is not really a need, and he's not, you know, not to – be rude he's not Charles Rogers he's not uh some of these other high-end guys he's he's very good for the mid-Michigan area uh and you know maybe who knows uh he seemed very torn down the end so if Michigan State keeps he could be a name that re-pops up I don't know if that's what they want to do uh but as far as other positions so far we haven't offered anybody new I think whoever the wide receiver is going to be, it's going to be somebody that we have not offered yet. So uh, it's kind of at this point, it's difficult to come up with a name, but I think they're only taking one wide receiver in the class regardless. So, so it's not a huge need. They can take their time and find the right guy and go after him hard and try to add him. Yeah. And I think when you have nine deep, you don't need anyone to come in and immediately contribute and if you can find some, like, really good wide receivers in 2022, like Antonio Gates Jr., and those kind of guys that are immediate impact contributors, you basically bridge the gap. Even if you don't find someone for this class or as someone as good as you would like. So I think that's something that fans should consider when, when thinking about that loss of Andrew. Yeah, they definitely uh, in 2022, there's a, a handful of really good, talented wide receivers that, They've gotten done a good job of getting ahead of. You mentioned Gates, uh, and then there's uh, Kevin Thomas from mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia, where he's I think six two, six three, but has track speed and will probably actually yeah. run track in uh, college. They're sitting well with him, really good. And then uh, Tyrell Henry, uh, he's another in-state kid who looks really good to me. Uh, he's got offers from Michigan State, and Michigan already, and then. I think it's a better class in Ohio in 22 than it was 21. So I think you can pull probably three guys in the 2022 class and you're completely restocked, even if you are probably already stocked as it is. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Speaking of 2022, you've done a lot of uh, looking ahead here in the last couple of weeks and reaching out to guys in future classes. And I'm starting to do that now a little bit as well. And 
there's a lot of good reception out there from these kids that are younger that are just a little bit um, getting in touch with the staff. I know September 1st is when they can um, have some more open communication. The staff can call these guys, but already there's a lot of strong indications from a lot of these guys. And um, I know one of the, one of the storylines that really stuck out to me was that trio of 2023 kids that mentioned they wanted to play together at the next level. And I know at least two of them had some strong ties to Michigan state. Um, one of them, the kid from Alabama that had uh, the uh, multiple family members that are Michigan State alums. And then um, the other guy that uh, is from the Chicago area, and he considered Chicago his home, even though he goes to high school in Florida, I believe. And um, that, that's kind of something that intrigues me. Do you want to talk about that storyline a little bit and maybe one or two other guys you've talked to and what they've said? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, when I reached out to them, uh, I didn't. I didn't expect that it was gonna be as big as a story as it was. Uh, I believe it's uh, Braden, the last name Joiner is one uh, yes. of the offensive linemen, and then uh, Kirkland, Peyton Kirkland was the other offensive lineman. Then mm-hmm. Webb, I believe, is the running back. He's committed to Georgia yeah. currently, but obviously it's very early for him, and he's still talking to a lot of schools, including Michigan State. Uh, but for those guys, those are uh, all of those guys are elite level talents already and Michigan State's already got them on a, a phone call list because they can't call them but the players can call the coaches personally and talk so they're talking to these guys uh, multiple times a week already as 2023 20, guys uh, and then the, especially the two offensive linemen Kirkland and Joyner uh, they gave really really strong quotes to me when talking about uh, Michigan State and their feelings on them. And uh, the kid, uh, Kirkland, I believe, or no, is Joyner. Joyner was from Chicago originally, so he's familiar with the area and the, the program. And then uh, Mel Tucker's already talked to these guys, I believe, as well. They've called him on the phone, so uh, they're way ahead on them. And then even in 22, you know, you're hearing guys, where it's before September 1st, so the contact's only going to go up, but a lot of the guys in 2022, are they're already talking to the coaches multiple times a week, building that strong relationship with them. Uh, so, I mean, they're getting yeah. way ahead of it, and that's kind of why I dug into that, because I don't think the fans understood how how well this team recruits just because of the eight ball. They're kind of behind with 21 coming in so late and not having an ability to host these kids on campus. Yeah. And then I know I've talked to um, Justin Martin so far, and um, he's one of several four-star quarterbacks that the staff is quick to offer. I know he was offered the exact same day, uh, February 20th, that Jay Johnson was hired. And that was one of the things I believe he singled out. Uh, back when he was offered that, that um, he saw that Coach Johnson was hired as the OC and QB's coach at Michigan State. And then a few hours later, he gets a call saying that he's offered to Michigan State. So that kind of shows just how forward-thinking the staff was, that literally the day that uh, Coach Johnson got hired, he was offering a quarterback for the next year's class. And um, there's, there's some other four-star quarterbacks, too, that had given um, – very strong initial quotes uh, back when they were offered. And I'm going to be reaching out to those guys here in the next few weeks, but it's looking, it's looking very good in terms of um, the kind of, the kind of areas that we're getting into for 2022 and the kind of 
reactions that these kids are getting. And then, um, yeah, like you touched on, there's people in uh, Michigan and Ohio as well. Uh, but they're they're not even just constricted to that. They're already looking all over the whole entire state, uh, all over the whole entire nation. Um, so very good stuff. And then um, for those of you that are listening, um, Corey and I are just going to be putting out lots of those reaction pieces here in the next few weeks. And uh, even after September 1st, once the staff gets to talk, talk to them first. So definitely uh, tune into Spartan Mag and, and get some of those reactions that we're putting together. And the last thing I just wanted to ask, Corey, it's, you know, I probably you guys are going to laugh, but was there any kid in 2021 that Michigan State missed on that you were, like, kind of not pissed about, but, like, damn, I thought we had him, or you just move on after every recruit leaves, like, you know, it's whatever? Um, I mean, I feel like I, I'm pretty good at moving on. Uh, we've had our conversations, you know it, but, uh, <laughs> but if there was a recruit that I think Michigan State really, really wanted – and they could have really used that they didn't get. Uh, it would probably have been Michael Muslinski who went to Texas the other day. Uh, you know, he's, his rating, I think he's a three-star in both sides, finally. Um, but but he was a guy that they really, really wanted. So that makes it important. And offensive line and defensive line to me are much more key positions than a, a wide receiver or some of the other spots, just because I feel like you you win and lose on the trenches. Mm-hmm. I thought you were for sure going to say Jamari Button, but that's that was but that's a good answer. <laughs> I I think the reason he didn't say um, Jamari Button is because I know uh, the New Jersey linebacker Corey has mentioned several times that he he's not any worse than Jamari Button, even if he doesn't have that fourth star. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit, Corey, but I, I feel like you think very highly of him, and he's not a step down in any regard. Yeah, definitely. They they have similar frames. I think they're both right around six two, six three, with long arms, and they move well. But I think the New Jersey guy, uh, Gabor, or however, Gabayer, uh, he's he's more physical than Jamari Button at this point. Uh, so so that translates to the next level. Uh, I, I am interested to see Button if there is a senior season because he he did put on a lot of good muscle. But uh, if you look at just going off junior films, as which is what we've seen, uh, the New Jersey kid is more physical as a junior than Button was. So, and those are things that translate over to college, where it's not all about uh, how fast they are on their tape. Uh, once you hit college, there's certain numbers, you know, at linebacker or defensive end or offensive tackle that you have to put up certain numbers in a weight room with amount of reps before you even become considered a college player, then, then you have to put it on the field after that. So I think that end of it makes it so button. It, it was a bad loss because he's a good player. He's local, but I think whether it's uh Gabor from uh, New Jersey or go a tie from a, uh, California now Las Vegas you know they're going to get it they can get a kid like him uh in the class that's comparable or better same with Andrew Anthony they can get a kid that's comparable or better where with uh that was definitely like their guy at center and now they could potentially go from a a four-man offensive line class to a three-man just with tight numbers yeah, and the only thing I was going to add on Gabor is 
if you guys don't believe Corey, you can go look at his offers. I mean, I know he had Alabama. I think he had LSU, and I think even Michigan offered him. So he's definitely got the offer sheet as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. But that's all I got. You got anything to add, Justin? Nope, that's it. Um, I would just reiterate to um, definitely stay tuned to SpartanMag.com, and we're definitely going to be having some uh, good scoops here with all these prospects, uh, 2021 and 2022 here moving forward. Yep, absolutely. And, um, of course, obviously, thank you for joining us, Corey. We'll obviously get this posted very soon. All right, yeah, no problem. It's good to having you guys or being on here with you guys and definitely have to do this again. Absolutely. Yep, man. thank you. Yep, take care. Yeah, later.